Welcome to My Fair Katie, a film review podcast. I, Katie, from like watch movies with my dad. That'd be me, Scott Schimmick. Together we will dive into sometimes deep, but hopefully always fun discussions of classic films. Today's movie is Night of the Living Dead. If it doesn't scare you, you're already dead. That one's pretty good. Yeah. They keep coming back in a bloodthirsty lust for human flesh. <laughs> no? No. But they were eating all flesh, not just brains. I know. So, okay. Pits the dead against the living in a struggle for survival. That one's also pretty good. Yeah. Made in 1968, Night of the Living Dead is the mother of all modern zombie movies. It was written and directed by George Romero. The cast of Night of the Living Dead didn't include any notable screen actors, although this has been a very popular cult movie since its release, but none of the actors parlayed their role into a notable career. While visiting their father's grave, Barbara and Johnny are attacked by a strange, disheveled man. Leaving her unconscious brother behind, Barbara flees to a nearby farmhouse and discovers a mutilated corpse. That was actually really scary. Yeah, that was kind of scary. That lady's face. Yeah, it was more like a jump scare, but because it didn't really look too realistic. It looked pretty realistic. You're crazy. No, it looked like something I could get at Party City. Yeah, because of movies like this. <laughs> Meanwhile, the strange man had been joined by several other ghoulish figures who are trying to help him break into the farmhouse. Ben, a young African-American salesman, also seeking refuge, suddenly appears and fights his way past them into the house. He doesn't fight very hard. No, he doesn't. I'll say this about these zombies. We're used to zombies being slower and stupider now. Yeah. But these aren't very good, scary fighters. No, they're not. While fortifying their defenses and boarding up the windows, Ben explains to Barbara... That a mutilation resulting from radiation has caused the dead to rise and devour the living. Ben learns from a television report that fire frightens the zombies and that they can be killed by destroying the brain. Barbara and Ben then find others hiding in the farmhouse. Down in the basement are teenagers Judy and Tom, as well as a married couple, Helen and Harry, with their young daughter. Unknown to the parents, Karen, the daughter, has been injured by zombies and is slowly turning. Ben improvises a plan to help the teenagers escape. However, they panic and die in a fire, much to the delight of the zombies. Yum. (laughs) They're all crispy, too. They're like veal because they're young. After all night trying... Nothing? No. (laughs) After all night trying, the zombies finally break through the barricades. Ben accidentally shoots Harry, and Barbara is dragged away by her zombie brother, Johnny. Helen is killed and eaten by her zombie daughter. Come morning, the living have suppressed the zombie outbreak. Ben is the sole survivor of the farmhouse, having locked himself in the basement. However, Ben is mistaken for a zombie and shot through the head when he looks out the window at a posse sent to destroy the zombies. This may surprise you, but Night of the Living Dead was not nominated for an Oscar. Really? <laughs> but it is on the AFI list, number 93, for Thrills and Chills. It gets a 97% tomato rating, 88% popcorn, and 7.9 IMDb. Those are some of the best ratings of a movie we've had. Mm-hmm. I think that that is like pretty accurate. Yeah. Is this one of the best movies we've seen so far? Um, Probably. Yeah? 
Alright, earmuffs. Not a lot of bad language. But a lot of blood and gore. Yeah. There's quite a bit of blood and gore and some jump scares. Intense scene for young viewers. Is there any smoking? Um, yeah. There was, right? Yeah, the Oh dad yeah. The, and yeah, he the kept mom. the dad kept stealing cigarettes from like everybody, just yeah. lighting up. <laughs> Even though he has like a whole pack in his pocket. He still took his wife's right out of her purse. Yeah. It's kind of a violation to go into your wife's purse. Yeah. All right, so Night of the Living Dead came out in 1968. So 1968 was a, a volatile year in American history. Uh, it was near the end of the big civil rights movement. Uh, the Civil Rights Act was in 1964. And after that, there was a lot of pushback. So in 1968, you had Martin Luther King Jr. was killed. Uh, you had the Black Panthers rising. Uh, you had the 1968 Olympics. You had Tommy Smith and John Carlos with their their Black Fist salute. You had the riots all across the country in 1967, race riots. So it was it was a year where there was a lot of civil unrest in the United States uh, in because of racial injustice. So this movie comes along and it has as its hero an African American. And an African-American who slaps a white woman was pretty scandalous at the time. Even now, you don't see a lot of men slapping women on TV. Well, no, you don't see a lot of men slapping women. It used to be a much more common thing. Women would get hysterical, and a man would have to slap her to bring her to her senses. You don't really see that anymore, though. And it's not a racial thing. But in this, it intentionally was. Uh, George Romero has contended that this movie is not at all about race and that it was just a casting decision. But if you look at the context and you see at the beginning, it opens with an American flag basically saying this movie is about America today, not about the dead coming back to life. The dead in this movie really represent like the change that's inevitable. They keep coming. They keep coming. You can try to push back and fight, but... No matter how much you push back and fight, there'll just be more and more change coming. Like it was happening all throughout the country, too. Yeah, it was spreading throughout the country, right? And even within the house, there was that divide between those upstairs and those downstairs. Those downstairs were blind to what was going on outside. They were intentionally blind to the change that was coming. And upstairs, you had an African-American leader who was logical and level-headed Right, <laughs> and the only likable character in the house. Yeah, um, and you had uh, you had the young people trying to be in between, yeah. and even though they had a young daughter and they were probably supposed to be in their thirties, they were representing, you know, like the older Americans, resistant to the change. And with their daughter down there, who ended up eating them, really shows that the downstairs was always a dangerous place that was never going to be safe, and that the change would. The change being the zombies, the change, would end up killing them if they weren't willing to change with it. Oh, and also at the end when they um, shoot Ben, it's not the zombies that shoot him, it's the white men. Right, <laughs> that's right. And is there really a difference? Ah, we'll talk about it more, though. Alright, so that's just a little bit of the historical background of the movie. So our hero in the movie, who's our hero? Ben. This one's pretty easy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we've done a lot of movies here lately where we didn't really have a good guy to root for, yeah. especially in this horror milieu. So what were Ben's motivations? 
to not die. <laughs> right, but he had more than that, didn't he? Yeah. What? To help the people around him. He totally wanted to help everybody. He put himself at risk to try to help Barbara several times, right? So was he a good guy? Yeah. Yeah. Did he do anything wrong? No, I mean, we can question some of his decisions, although they seemed pretty sound. Um, he didn't do anything bad. Everything he did was a good motivation, trying to help everybody rather than just himself, which is what a good guy should be, right? Yeah. So who's the bad guy in the movie? I think that it's the people who aren't open to the change and who stay yeah. downstairs. Right. So the zombies aren't making decisions. They're not really a character. They're uh, they're part of the environment. It could be a tidal wave. It could be a tornado. Mm-hmm. Right? It would be a very good movie. <laughs> you know, if there's a tornado coming, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But it, they're not active participants, right? So while they're the scary part of the movie, they're not the bad guy. They're not the antagonist. I think you're right. I think it is the the couple downstairs. So what what were uh, the motivations of of the married couple? To be right. That was a big part of it, was it? I mean, for for the husband, he did want to be right. But what was his motivation? What was his core motivation here? To make sure that nothing ever changed. I think that was his goal. And that he stayed in, like, he had the same life as before. And he was like, nothing changed for his life. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, he was trying to keep his family safe, but yeah. that was part of not changing, wasn't it? And I think it's a good point. As an overall broader motivation, it was, you're right, it was avoiding change. So did he have a point? No. No, not in the bigger context of the film. But did he have a point when it came to staying in the basement? Talk about more specifically his plan for being safe. Yes, because cause if the zombies actually get into the house... Yeah, you have places to run to, but there's zombies, like, everywhere in the house. Like, surrounding the house, too. But if you're in the basement and they can't get in. So what happens later in the movie? Do the zombies get into the house? Yeah. And who's still alive? Ben. And where does Ben go? To the basement. Okay. <laughs> right? When he's arguing, when they're arguing earlier in the film, where does he say they're going to go if the zombies get in? Upstairs. Yeah, and out, right? Yeah, they can go out the windows and escape. That's like yeah. the plan. Yeah. It's to go upstairs to find which side of the house the zombies aren't on and then run out and escape. Mm-hmm. But he does the opposite. Yeah. Which I guess when you're like panicking and I guess you don't do what you were originally planning on. Ended up costing him his life in a weird way. Yeah, because if he ran away, then like... He would have been out in the open instead of hiding. Yeah, with all the other zombies in the house. They should have gone in there just to make sure that like there weren't any other zombies. Would too. you have gone in there? No. It doesn't make sense to go in there, does it? Cause, well, it makes sense to, but I don't think I right, would. It makes sense to, but it, it's not a good idea Yeah. because you could get eaten. Yeah. If you could take care of the zombie problem from outside, you totally do that. Yeah, of course. But yeah. But there always is that risk that you might kill a person. Getting back to the idea of the basement or the upstairs, it's a tough call. Yeah. 
if you know that help is going to come in a day or two, which they're assuming that it is, if you're in the basement, they're never going to know you're there. And I guess you could wait a couple days and then check. Yeah. Listen carefully if you don't hear any zombies shuffling about. Sneak a peek and then run back in for safety. Yeah. But if you're upstairs, then you can, can flee. Yeah. But if you're downstairs, you can bring all your supplies. But he didn't have time for that, remember? Because, okay. Yeah. Okay, so let's say that was the couple's plan was to bring the food and radio downstairs. And the TV. But the TV and radio wouldn't work downstairs. They wouldn't? No. Then they totally didn't. stay upstairs. Because they didn't have cable or anything. Right. Well, then you should so, stay upstairs because you need to know what's happening. Yeah, in 1968, you would have had to have an antenna. And so they they had an antenna sitting on top of the TV, so they couldn't have brought it downstairs because you wouldn't have gotten reception in the basement. They weren't in a city. They were three hours outside of Pittsburgh. So they certainly would have had trouble getting reception in the basement, either radio or TV. You could turn up the TV or the radio up all the way. And then just go in the basement. Put it as close to the door as possible. It's actually a really good idea. But with the but noise... But then you couldn't hear if zombies were there. That's a good point, too. You couldn't. And would the noise draw more zombies? Yeah. And they would... Because they seemed pretty smart. They would also kind of figure out that you were in the basement. Maybe. They totally would have. Yeah. They were actually really smart. Yeah, they were really smart. What did they do that was really smart? They used weapons to open, or like break windows, like they threw a rock at it. They did. And he, they also, they knew how to open doors. Yeah. Most the zombie movies now, zombies don't know how to open doors. And they tend to be slower. Yes. Except in the fast zombie movies. What like, are the fast zombie movies? Okay, like 28 Days Later. Technically not a zombie because they're not the undead, but they get a disease that takes away all their humanity and it's called rage and they just go insane and just want to they're not trying to eat people they're just trying to kill and whenever they see anything they run super fast fast as fast as humanly possible because they don't care about being tired they don't care about losing their breath they don't care about food they don't care about anything except for getting to someone and killing it so that's the fast zombie which that's was probably a, scarier than regular zombies oh it's way scarier. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw 28 Days Later, I was, wow. It was really exciting and freaked out because I'd never seen a fast zombie before. Because with Great zombies, movie. you have, like, regular zombies, you actually have a chance. Because, like, you can run away. Yeah, and this one. And lock yourself in a door. They were shuffling along pretty well. Yeah. This wasn't like Walking Dead zombies where, seriously, the Walking Dead zombies, you could just outwalk pretty easily. <laughs> It's just the sheer numbers that get to you. But getting back to the main point, do you go downstairs or upstairs? That's I'm... really hard. I would stay upstairs, I guess. I would go upstairs. I would want the option to be able to flee. Yeah, same. Because if you're downstairs, you know, what's you his name, George? He said, we've only got one door to protect. Yeah, but, but that's only one door to get out of. Yeah, and you're fighting from, like, on the stairs against a horde of zombies that just keep pushing. They don't care if they fall down the stairs. Yeah. So there's no way you can defend the door. So once they break through the door, that's it. You're you're done. 
no options. I would I would go upstairs. I would try to make like a tear up the sheets and make like a rope ladder or something. Yeah. Because I wouldn't want to sprain my ankle when I jumped out. Yeah, because that would not be good. Because I would totally just be able to jump right out of a second story window, no problem. <laughs> Pretty sure of that. <laughs> I, if like I was in that situation, I don't know if I could push myself to actually jump out of the window. But then again, there's zombies coming to get you. Yeah. So. Like, what if there's a fire? You could jump out the second story window if there's a fire. What if you live alone and you break your leg and the fire's going to come and get you? The fire's going to come and get you? Well, it's well if you're like... in the middle of the grass, you're fine. No, I'm telling you that if you're over here tonight and there's a fire, you climb out the window, you hang on, you can, and um, you drop there's down. There's a tree right there, so you could use the tree. Well, if you can reach the tree. But if you can't use the tree, you still like you lower yourself down as low as you can, and then you let go, and you try to roll. But you do not stay in the house. Out of fear. Okay, so we agree. Upstairs. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a real discussion. Yeah, it is really hard. So while we were watching it, you said, I wouldn't want to live next to a cemetery. I don't think the cemetery had anything to do with it, though. Why don't you think that after you've had some time to think <laughs> about it? Because they were actually moving, and they weren't. it wasn't just their house. At first, I thought it was just their house that was like being attacked. Ah, okay. But then I realized that it was like the whole country. What other things about a cemetery would make it maybe safer, even though it's full of dead people? Where are the dead people in a cemetery? Underground. And, and what are they in? Oh, a casket thingy. <laughs> yeah. So they would be trapped. Yeah. So where did all those zombies come from? There weren't that many. But if they were all over the country, where did they come from? Did there was there like one, like five or six zombies that started off, and then they kept on just killing people and killing people, and then they kept on killing people until there was like a bunch. Yeah. So like all the dead people in the hospital. Oh. Yeah. Like in the morgue, all dead people in morgues, and then as people died, which people die all the time. I know. And so in the hospitals and everything, somebody dies, and then all the people that they killed would become zombies. If they killed any people. I mean, they killed people all the time. Oh. They killed everybody in the movie except for Ben. Oh, I thought you meant that, um, like, the people who just died. If they killed any people. (laughs) No, like, like Johnny. Yeah. He got killed by a zombie, became a zombie. Yeah. And the little girl. Yes, they multiply. I have an idea about that, too. There's a zombie, like, there's a person upstairs, and I don't think that they ever took her out. So why didn't... Oh, oh yeah. Oh, because she, like, her face is gone and everything. Yeah, but no, you're right. It wasn't her brain. Unless... Yeah. Unless she had fallen and destroyed her brain somehow. Yeah. That they didn't show. Maybe she fell and crushed her brain. Yeah. And then the zombie ate her face and not the rest of her. Which doesn't make sense either. Well, I don't know. I'm not a zombie. But maybe the face is the most delicious part of the human. If you were a zombie, what part would you eat first? The toes. Really? No. <laughs> That's gross. No, um, I would probably eat the arm. That's the grossest part I of it. I would probably eat the arm. What'd you go for the armpit next? No, not the armpit. Well, if you're going to eat the toes. <laughs> the face has so much bones to it, though. It would be very good. Yeah, but people love, like, uh, people who are willing to eat it. They love, like, the jowls of a pig. 
I would eat ears too. The ears would be tough. Yeah, but it'd be good because you... it'd be like chewing gum. It'd be like human flavored chewing gum. Never. <laughs> I mean, you have to go for the back, right? That's the fillet. Yeah, but there's not that much meat on the back. Oh, there's lots of good tasty meat. That's where steaks oh. come from. Oh, yeah. Never mind. That's where steaks come from. They yeah. come from the back of the cow. The further you are from the feet and hands, the more tender it is. <laughs> so the back, that's where you go. And look, if you're ever like pioneering across the country and you get trapped up in the mountains and you have to eat people. Ew, no. Well, if you're ever there. No, I would never do that. But if you are. I would never do that. Go, f- like, claim the back part. Say, I'll take the back. You take you take the legs. You I'll take the back. You can have the rest. I'll have the back. Yeah, I'll take the back, yeah. Because it's going to be the most tender. I'll but just... also, legs would be pretty good, too. Although my back is really sore, but it's pretty tight. I bet my back isn't very tender. For an old person, maybe not take the back. <laughs> <laughs> for an old person. They're going to be sinewy. You really want to eat the kids. I don't know why the zombies went for the old lady first. Because she was the only one in the house. Yes. Where do those zombies go? They ate her face. We're jumping all over here. <laughs> but I really want to know. Where yeah, do those zombies same. go? Did they just like leave? Because there was blood dripping too. Were there more zombies in the house upstairs? Well, Ben was upstairs. But he said he still had more to do. But he didn't go back up. So maybe there was a zombie trapped in a room up there. Maybe the zombie heard them come in and like hid in a room. Be like, I'm going to hide and wait for them to come in. And when they come upstairs, I'm going to jump out and get some more face. Because the blood was, like, dripping in like that. Yeah. Because it didn't just start dripping out of nowhere. That's true. Daddy, I got a new category. Okay, what is it? Daddy don't know. Daddy don't know, huh? Yeah, even though daddy's know everything. (laughs) Okay. All right. So in this category, I tell you some fun facts that you didn't know about the movie. Okay. Okay. The first one is the fake blood was made on a budget because the movie was made like with less than $150,000. Really? This movie was cheap? <laughs> Go ahead. Um, so because the movie was in black and white, it, it didn't oh. care. Like they didn't care if the blood was red. So they used syrup just like in Psycho. Chocolate syrup? Yeah. I knew that they did that for Psycho. Yeah. Another one is three different crew members set themselves on fire on the set. What? Yeah. There was the one... I remember the one zombie had his elbow on fire. Mm-hmm. And they, there was a couple that were, like, fully on fire, fire too, I think. Oh, yeah. That's that's a pretty high-level stunt for such a cheap little movie. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's pretty good. Did anybody get hurt? Um, Not that I know of. Oh, okay. Um, it's in the public domain because of credits error. Like, a credits error. What does that mean? The company that distributed the film was going to name it Night of the Flesh Eaters. Ooh. But 1964 already had a movie called The Flesh Eaters. Uh-huh. And the people who created that movie threatened a lawsuit. So they decided to change it Night of the Living Dead. When the title changed, the copyright notices were not added to the opening titles or the end credits, though. So the filmmakers have fought it in federal court, The film, even though the film is still in the public domain. So is that why it's on Amazon and Vudu and Roku and every other service out there? 
Yeah. On YouTube. Mm-hmm. That's a shame. Yeah. That's the second movie this season we've done where there's been an issue like that. Yeah. The intellectual property. It's a good thing we know an intellectual property lawyer. Oh, that's Marty Ricciardi, the best IP lawyer on the side of the Hudson. That's right. <laughs> I have one more. George Romero never did his own laundry on set. He just bought new clothes. <laughs> really? Yeah. Even though, like, it was a cheap movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in law school, I had a buddy, <laughs> and one time we're going somewhere, and he's like, "I have to stop at the mall," and I said, "Why?" And he says, "I have to buy more underwear," and I said, "Why are you buying underwear?" He says, "Because I don't want to do the laundry." <laughs> so we we went to Macy's to buy him underwear, um, so that he wouldn't have to do laundry. But if you're like a college student, like a broke college student, why would you spend more money? Like that you don't have it to. It wasn't yet. about money. It was about doing laundry. <laughs> <laughs> he had plenty of underwear. <laughs> and he had a washing machine. <laughs> it was about doing the laundry. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I've i known people like that. <laughs> that's a very interesting <laughs> fact. I think that's my favorite. <laughs> Maybe next time I can give out awards. Okay. Craft work of the movie. Now let's be nice here. This was a very inexpensive movie mm-hmm. that was... I think we agree it was a pretty good movie. Yeah, I... So we're not going to pick it to death because we could nitpick for an hour. So let's kind of just talk more big picture. <laughs> so what did you think about the filming and the cinematography? I thought it was pretty good overall. Like I didn't notice anything. Like for the level movie that it was, the the cinematography was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you know, the camera shots and everything. It didn't look like it was on such a tight budget. If it had come out 20 years earlier, it would have looked way ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. There was one really good scene that stood out to me. Like when they first go into the house with Ben and Barbara there together. She's like in shock because her brother just died. Mm-hmm. And she's like looking through the music box and mm-hmm. like you can see her face through the other side, which reminded me oh, while it was spinning around, which reminded me. Um, of the scene from Frankenstein while they're in the mill and you can see Frankenstein's face from the thing. Yeah, it did look just like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. There were some other good shots in it too. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they did a good job of filming at night, which a lot of cheap movies like that, they would film during the daytime and then make it look like night and like the moon shadows would be so bright. <laughs> <laughs> it's like always a full moon. A lot of black and white movies do that. They film it at during the day, the middle of the daytime, and they just put a filter over trying to make you think it's nighttime. But this one, they shot it at night. You could see, you couldn't see anything but the people that were right there, the zombies that were right there when they were outside. That was really good. How about the music? What did you think of the music? I thought it made the movie much more intense. That was really good music for such a yeah. low budget movie. Yeah, I was really impressed with the music. How about the special effects? So we talked about the fire. That was that was really good. The makeup was really good for the zombies, because they had like scars. Like they put latex things and like cut yeah. it, and then blood, and it looked really good. Yeah, and when they were eating the body parts, yeah, the body, it looked really good. It looked really good. Wait, there, I hope you mean like the film, not like the food. Like the yes, it didn't look tasty. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like real body parts. Okay. So yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> and no, unfortunately, we got rid of the most delicious side item award. Otherwise, uh-huh. I would have fun with that one. How about the costume design? Anything stand out for you from a costume perspective? I think her name was Judith, the teenage girl. Mm-hmm. Her hair looked like it was from now. It was, like, dark at the top, and then later at the bottom, it looked like she dyed it. Well, she might have they dyed their hair back Yeah, then. I know, but it, like, looked like hairstyles that are popular now. And it was very frizzy. Back in 1968, my mom would have been a platinum blonde. Like, white hair. So, you gotta keep up with that one. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks like hairstyles from today. Yeah. Like I, that style of hair. They were pretty plain clothing. The costume design yeah. was very exciting. The zombie costumes were really cool and like yeah. creative. Yeah, so that was good. Like were, nightgowns. Yeah, it was clothes dead pe- people would have been wearing when they died, right? And they looked like they'd been traipsing through the woods all night. Yeah. So that was good. How about the editing? I thought it was a perfect time amount. It was it was a good length. It gave you enough exposition to know the story as much as you needed to know. And it was enough intensity. Yeah, they kept the they kept the the intensity up. Yeah. All right, how about nitpicking? Like we <laughs> said, uh, there's a lot. Yeah. Let's not get into everything. I got uh, I got a couple though that bothered me. So I'm not gonna get into the continuity errors, and things like that. Oh, you mean like um, how Barbara's dress had blood on it, and then it didn't have blood on it. Yeah. I mean, like that, right? Because <laughs> there's a lot of those. Yeah, there's this one part where Ben is telling a story, and it doesn't make any sense. Because he was saying that the zombies were keeping up with the truck while he was driving away. And yet, you know, those zombies, well, they weren't like terribly slow. slow. But they weren't. <laughs> they weren't exactly Usain Bolt either. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that kind of stuff bothered me. Because his story kind of changed back and forth as he was telling it. So it was the logic of that bothered me. Also, why wasn't Barbara allowed to share her story? What do you mean? Because, like, um, when she was almost done, he was like, oh, okay, that's enough. Because maybe he was, like, worried for her and didn't want her to, like, oh, yeah. be too upset about that. She sat patiently while he talked. <laughs> right. Maybe he was trying to be nice to her, though, and, like, make sure that she was okay and not, like, no. let her get into the No, details. you're right. Maybe he wasn't the best person. Because <laughs> he was. He was like, all right, all right, calm down. Let's get to work here. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> that was kind of rude. Because he told a really long story, and she waited patiently. They all got to tell their own stories. Why didn't she get to tell hers? Yeah. And she had been through something really traumatic. Yeah. I mean, it was her brother that got eaten right in front of her. Her poor mom. She lost both of her children. So I got another one that bothers me, and it's about it's about the story that Barbara was trying to tell. So how did Johnny die? He fell and hit his head on the gravestone. Right. He hit his head on the gravestone. So would that not have damaged his brain? No, that would have damaged his brain. Yeah. So how did he become a zombie? Maybe he was, like, already dead or something. No, but then it still would have damaged his brain. Yeah. Maybe it didn't damage Maybe he was, like... A zombie, but, like, not a very smart zombie because his brain was partially damaged. (laughs) That's why it took him so long to get to the house. When Barbara saw Johnny, she was really upset. 
What she should have said was, hey, Ben, it's Johnny. He's got the car keys. <laughs> but they were breaking the car, too, like throwing rocks at it so that the car wouldn't have done much good for them. Yeah, but that was the truck that Ben had driven. The car was still... Oh, Barbara wow. crashed the car up against a tree, but it was totally drivable. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah. If only she kept a cooler head, they could have gotten the keys and got out of there. Nobody would have died. Well, except for well, those two would have died. Yeah, and the the girl was gonna eat her parents either way. Well, yeah, but how did they escape all of the zombies? Out the back door. Okay, the big picture. So, what's the message of the film? We talked about this some, but given our discussion, what do you, what do you think? What would you say is the message of the film? Society should be better at working together with people because if they all just worked together from the beginning, chances are they probably would have made it out alive. Certainly had a lot better shot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a pretty powerful message for a movie about zombies. Yeah. It's funny, zombies, because of this movie, this is the first real zombie movie as we know them. There were zombie movies before, of course. But this was the first one that was like this, that was a message movie about these types of zombies that look like this, that acted like this. And George Romero went on to make more zombie movies, and all of his zombie movies aren't about racial equality you know he, he made his next zombie movie was about consumerism blind consumerism so they can be a stand-in for problems in society no matter what they are zombies can become something else yeah and in that way it's kind of like a science fiction film so science fiction and horror this season that we've been working on have been you know really tied together but it's a it's the reason why the movie has lasted so long is because it's such a powerful message within the movie. Do you think that this message has the same meaning today? Yes, definitely, because as a society, we're still like working on coming to terms with equality. And it's not just racial equality, it's like every difference in people. That's a great point. So, overall in cinema history, where would you put this one? Is it a is it a really great movie? Yeah, but it has more meaning than you think. Yeah. But probably not as quality of a production as a lot of the movies we've seen, right? (laughs) Yeah. So it definitely has holes. Yeah. All right, and the Katie goes to the Odessa Steps Award. Best scene. Got the cemetery scene in the opening. Yeah, that was pretty good. He's coming for you, Barbara. Although he was very whiny, he probably deserved what he got. But, yeah. you know. I think that she was being overdramatic about it, though. Like, he was teasing with her, and she was like, stop, you're being like a little child. Like, stop. It wasn't a big deal. Like, it wouldn't be a huge deal now. Like, if somebody was doing that to me, I'd probably laugh with them. Until you saw the really creepy yeah. dude. Over and then I'd, like, probably run away. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's one nominee. The next one is... The big fight scene between middle-aged dude and Ben, and they're kind of arguing about what's better. And then the last one I got is the final scene and the end credits where Ben gets shot, and then they show the end credits where it's almost like a documentary feel, where you feel like it's like war pictures or... uh, Like it's a true story. Yeah. So what do you think? Even though Ben was my favorite character, I thought that it was very creative to do those. Like, the last scene. It was a very powerful scene. 
So the Katie goes to the end scene with the credits. I think it's a good choice. It's a really good choice. All right, this goes to Eleven Award. This one, I'm going to say all the nominees would be something Barbara had done. So I'll let you pick your most over-the-top Barbara moment and give the nominee to that, unless you have something else. The most over-the-top Barbara moment would definitely be the cemetery one. When, like, he's he's just teasing her, like, at the slightest bit, and she's, like, being so overdramatic about it. It's a good one. I thought her most over-the-top moment was when she was trying to tell her story, and she was just freaking out. Not in the beginning when she was telling her story, but when he didn't want to hear anymore, she just kept getting... Like, louder? <laughs> yeah, not just louder, but, like, more hysterical. Yeah. So, maybe that's another reason he should have just listened to her. Let her kind of have it out. She would have felt better. All right, the Thomas Mitchell Award. Our best side character in the movie. Didn't have many characters in the movie. So, as a side character, I'm only going to say we would have Johnny. We would have the daughter and the teenage girl. The teenage girl. The teenage girl? Yeah. Well, she was the biggest agent of change among them. I don't know. She was my favorite part. There really wasn't too many side characters. Johnny was the most fun. Yeah, but then he turned into a zombie. I know. It was great. (laughs) He still had his gloves on. And he had, like, one of the most known quotes in cinema history, too. (laughs) One of the most known quotes in cinema history? Or cinema history within our house? Cinema history within our house. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) So. So the Katie goes to the teenage girl. All right. It's the Pictures That Got Small Award. All right, and here you go. They're coming for you, Barbara. (laughs) Is my first one. (laughs) This one's from the newscaster. If you have a gun, shoot him in the head. That's a sure way to kill him. If you don't, get yourself a club or a torch. Beat him or burn him. They go up pretty easy. He didn't talk like that. That was like my my newsreel reporter. (laughs) That was like my 30s newsreel reporter voice. Okay. Yeah. This is the one that you mentioned that the wife says in the basement. We may not enjoy living together, but dying together isn't going to solve anything. I like that one because that really goes to the heart of what the film's about. Mm -hmm. And this one is from Ben. I don't want to hear any more from you, mister. If you stay up here, you got to take orders from me. And that includes leaving the girl alone. You have any other nominees? No. And the Katie goes to, we may not enjoy living together, but dying together isn't going to solve anything. Good choice. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Who wins the movie? Or what? Real person? Fictional character? Trope? Idea? Change. Because change took over. Doesn't change. I'm going to go with the zombie. I mean, this made zombie movies a thing. I took it. You can't have it. Uh, <laughs> All right, say it then. No, it's fine. You can open it. <laughs> no, go ahead. Who or what won the movie? The zombies. Zombies? Yeah, because it influenced so many movies. It did. And we wouldn't have Shaun of the Dead if it weren't for Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Shaun of the Dead is a great movie. When you see a bunch of zombie movies then we can watch Shaun of the Dead because you won't get a lot of the jokes unless you've seen all the zombie movies. But it's one of your mommy's favorite movies. Two favorite movies. Like, the two movies we have to watch when they come on 
are Jaws and, and Shaun Jaws. of the Dead. It's true. All right, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Should this movie be remade? I feel like it already has. It, it was ways. actually literally remade. Yeah. But should they remake the movie like this movie? Do you think it's still it's still relevant, the message of it, but could you remake this movie like this now? Well, you could, but I don't think it would be as powerful. And also, you would probably have a bigger budget for it. I think that would ruin it. Yeah, because it was like so corny in a way, it, but so powerful. You could say corny all you want, but I saw you jumping and squirming. That's because if you jump and squirm, it makes it more fun. Yeah, because you were scared. What changes would you make to the story if you were going to remake it? I don't think I would make any. It's not very subtle. In today's audience, you'd have to be more subtle with it. Why? Because then people laugh at your message because it's so in your face. But then most people wouldn't get it. People get it. People aren't stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Myers scale. Zero to ten. How scary was it? Five. That's it? Yeah. I don't believe you. It wasn't scary like I'm scared of zombies now, but it was scary like jump scares. Yeah. Jump scares aren't, they're fun, but they're not really, they're scary, but they're more fun than scary. They're not keeping you from going inside a farmhouse? No. Well, like Psycho would keep you out of the shower. Yeah. And Jaws would keep you out of the water. Well, Psycho still does make me scared of showers. (laughs) One time I stayed home alone and took a shower and I was so scared. (laughs) <laughs> all right and do you ever go to the bathroom and check behind the shower curtain i do not no oh, well do you no nope. <laughs> all right that's a wrap brief takeaways from the movie as always i'm gonna go first i think it holds up pretty well i still enjoy watching it i first watched it when i was in college and i still think it's great okay my turn I think that this movie is so important for cinema and for, like, opening people's eyes, even though it probably didn't change everybody's thought of equality. Clearly not. (laughs) But it still was important, and it makes you think. So I think that this movie is really important. So do you recommend it? Yes. To whom? People who aren't afraid of zombies. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Say that's a wrap, Katie. That's a wrap, Katie. Yes, I gotta read this to everyone. This episode of My Fair Katie was written and produced by Scott and Katie Schimmick. A special thanks for our music to Marty Charlie Esquire, the best IP lawyer on this side of the Hudson.